0: thank you good morning harvest good morning. hope you had a great christmas got your uh, all the little things that you hoped that you would get we uh, had a pretty downplayed christmas uh, this year but i got what i wanted because you know like when you decide who's given the gifts and how much you're going to spend you kind of get what you want and so it was great great christmas and so i hope you're having a good one um you know sometimes you get together with family and those kind of awkward conversations Happen, you know, you're just hanging out, and so there's time to, uh, to talk. And so I uh, heard about a dad, and he was sitting watching football with his son on the couch. And uh, his son says, uh, Hey, dad, um, where do we come from? And uh, dad, right away, his chest tightens up. He, he looks around for his wife. She's out fixing the car or something. And so he's uh, <laughs> kind of getting nervous, and he goes, uh, Well, son, you know, like um, like when a man loves a woman, and his son goes, no, 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 Dad, I know all that stuff. I mean, like, Annie is from Windsor, and Tom is from Angus. Like, where are we from? Oh, oh, well, <laughs> okay, well, so, uh, so I was born in Alberta and raised in B.C., and I'm maturing wonderfully in Ontario. And uh, so we're all coming from somewhere, aren't we? And uh, you're, you came from somewhere. I'm amazed, I'm amazed at uh, where, where everybody's coming from. I was uh, doing uh, my master's degree, and uh, part of it was a cross-cultural thing, so I was interviewing a, an Asian couple, and uh, it was amazing to me. She was born in Hong Kong, and they met in high school in Canada, and he was, he was uh, raised in, a, in a, a Chinese enclave in India. India. Like, it was amazing. And they've been all over the world. And I just, that, that amazes me. And uh, I talk to people here, and it, it amazes me uh, how we ended up being here. But I'll tell you this, uh, how you ended up being here, I know that you thought, you decided, and I'm pretty impressed that you decided to be here on a morning like today, because it was really cold. Your car, you and some didn't even start, and they still made it here. And uh so I'm, I'm amazed that you're here, and I don't know that you decided that I'd be here. But listen, God brought you here. God's working in our lives, and uh, that's what uh, Paul says to the Colossians. God was working in their lives. Uh, he says this in verse 6. Um, of this you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And uh, God's working all through the world, everywhere. He's bringing the gospel to people, and it's growing and expanding, and uh, that's happening here too. And God's bringing, it's interesting, because in in the early days, the gospel was going everywhere, and now uh, the gospel is all kinds of places. It's here, and God is bringing people to it. And that's, uh, that's exciting to me that we're here. God's brought us here. The gospel is fruitful and growing in our lives. And here we are. And, uh, and so we're, we're part of it. And you're part of it. And God's uh, working in your life right here in us. And that's exciting to me. It's, it's great to be a part of that. And so because of that, Paul says, uh, verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. And so uh, uh, Paul, when he heard about the Colossians and how the gospel came to them and that God, hey, God's working in your life. That, that excites me. I'm not going to quit praying for you. And so I want you to know that your elders and pastors and your small group leaders, and and all the one another's here. Because God's working in our lives, and He's working in your life, we're pretty excited about that. And so we don't stop praying. We don't stop praying that we would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? Do you want to know God's will? I would just love to know God's will. And a lot of the time, what we think about when we think about God's will is, oh, that's great. If I know God's will, I'll know what's going to happen in the future. If I really know God's will, then I'll know what's coming down the pipe in 2018. Um, that's not exactly what knowing God's will is about. And, and you know, I thought about that and I think, can you imagine if if you knew what was coming in September of 2018? Well, think back to this time last year. If you had known what was coming to you in 2017 before it happened, would that have been a good thing? Because I kind of know how I responded to some of the things that happened to me in 2017. And if I'd had months and months to look forward to that, I'm not sure my response would have been better. It just would have been earlier. And I would have had more time to get all upset and anxious and angry and all the things that we respond to things of life with. And so I'm not sure knowing what's coming would all be that, all, all that great for us. Another thing that we think about God's will is, well, I, if I know God's will, I'll know exactly what to do in every situation ex- exactly. I'll know all the details. And well, that's not ag- exactly God's will either. As a matter of fact, you know what God's will is? God's will is much more who we are directing what we choose and do than it is what we do defining who we are. As a matter of fact, we're finding God's will week by week here. Uh, finding God's will is God's spirit taking God's word among God's people and helping us to live it out. That's finding God's will. And so week by week, we're actually Uh, getting the answer to that prayer. We're praying that God would fill us with the knowledge of His will. And week by week, as we learn God's word together, that's happening. And day by day, as we individually apply it in our lives, we're finding God's will. And that's exciting. Now, this this message isn't actually about finding God's will. It's actually about uh, what it would look like when we find God's will. And so we are finding God's will week by week. What would it look like in our lives as we do that. And so we want to look at, at that. And so let's read uh, Colossians uh, 1.9. And uh, we started there. I'm going to continue to read it. It says, uh, here's the purpose of it. That we uh, will be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. So the, the purpose of knowing God's will is so I can live a worthy life that's pleasing to God. And here's what that would look like. Four things. uh, Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, Verse 11, in some uh, of your, uh, your Bibles might say, may you be strengthened. It's actually being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. And then uh, the fourth thing, with joy, giving thanks to the Father. And here's why. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain. Wait a minute. These are my two favorite verses in the Bible. We have to, we have to do this uh, the right way. The, if you're going to have a favorite verse in the Bible, you should say it with a little bit of, um, a little bit of feeling, right? Okay? So um, th- these are my favorite verses in the Bible. So let's say it, uh, we're not going to say it together. I'm going to say it the way it ought to be said. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, darkness, and translated us to the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus, in whom, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that fantastic? All right. You're not as excited about this as I am. All right. Let's pray and then let's uh, look at the four things that characterize those who live a life worthy and pleasing to God. Father, uh, thank you for your word as we, Lord, uh, look into it and seek to apply it to our lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, will bring to us an understanding of what it looks like to be in your will, to be living it out, to to be pleasing to you. Lord, we long to be pleasing to you. Um, Father, actually... uh, we confess that we often don't want to be pleasing to you. We, we don't care that much. And so, Father, we pray that your spirit would impress upon us your great love for us. And then, Lord, because you loved us, help us to love you. We love you because you first loved us. And so, Lord, uh, I pray that our hearts would respond to you today. Father, you're not trying to beat us down, but you're trying to lift us up. And so, Father, as we hear your word and respond to it, I pray that our hearts would be lifted up in us, that we would be excited about these things, that we would catch a glimpse of what you have for us uh, coming coming, uh, towards us now and in eternity, and that it would, uh, Lord, buoy our spirits up and encourage us today. And so, Father, we uh, give this time to you. And, Father, thank you that your promise is that You're not just here among us, but you're in us, and you're meeting with us, and you're working in us, and you want to use your word right now to transform us. And so, Father, we give this time to you. Pray that you would lift up your name in us, because that's your work. Because you're working. You're here. You've brought us to the gospel. And so, Lord, thank you. Continue your work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um... As we get into this, um, when I know God's will, I'll be able to work in a manner or walk in a manner worthy of God, pleasing him. First of all, by this serving passionately, it says bearing fruit in every good work, bearing fruit in every good work. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means uh, like making good things happen, making good things happen. And so, uh, bearing fruit, we kind of know uh, bearing fruit means to increase, to grow, to uh, push something forward, to, uh, to make it bigger, and, uh, and we also know that uh, bearing fruit, we, we're pretty familiar with Galatians 5.22 uh, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, um, I have to look here, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And the one that's hard is self-control. Uh, those are good things, right? That's bearing fruit. And so bearing fruit, uh, being, being like that in the good things that we do. But what's a good work? What's a good work? In this world, there's like thousands of good things to do, right? But, but not everything is a good work, especially for a believer. Not all things qualify. And so what, what would a good work be? Well, let's kind of answer that question out of the, the context here. We, we kind of talked about, well, uh, bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, how, uh, how we do, um, how work is done, it allows for the fruit of the Spirit to be exhibited. So in my work, can I exhibit goodness and faithfulness? And You said, well, I can do that anywhere. Like, yeah. And so uh, how I do my work, it exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. It exhibits Good character. Um, well, how about this? Uh, where work is done. Now, here's a. Follow me on this. If if it's the fruit of the Spirit that's being exhibited in my life, then that's produced by the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit lives in me. He's the one that's actually doing that. And so, where should I do good work? Where is good work? Well, uh, think of it this way. Uh, would I be comfortable taking God's Holy Spirit into that place? Now, I know that God's Holy Spirit, he's holy, and he, he isn't affected by anything. He can go anywhere. Like, he can go anywhere. God is everywhere present, and like, he's not affected. And so when, when he walks into a place, um, it doesn't affect him. Think about this, though. Um, there are some places that are inconsistent with the character of God, right? And if I go in there, the Holy Spirit goes with me. Because he said, uh, I will be in you. And he promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so uh, anywhere that I go, God has committed himself to coming with me. Anything that I do, God has committed himself to being with me and in me. No matter what I do, even if it's inconsistent with who he is. That should give me a pause to stop and think about what I'm doing and where I am and uh, where I'm going. And so the the issue is not whether God is affected by that. He can walk in anywhere and and, uh, put his uh, boots on and kick the daylights out of anything that's going on in there. Uh, He's unaffected. He's powerful. But should I be taking him there? Uh, Would I be comfortable with the Holy Spirit being with me where I am? Am I comfortable uh, looking at what I'm looking at, knowing that the Holy Spirit is there? with me that should that that should affect me shouldn't it and so where work is done where work is done uh, should be affected uh, by the holy spirit and so not every place is a good place uh to do good work now how about this one it's uh consistent with spiritual wisdom and understanding uh paul says that he, wa- he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that's um kind of practical wisdom where clear discernment and so uh what work is done? What work is done? Now, you might be all excited. Like, I got this thing I want to do, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's a great idea. I'm going to do this. And um, if, if wise and mature believers go, mm, yeah, that's not a great idea, you shouldn't do that. It isn't all that. You thought it was, that was a great idea. It's probably not such a great idea. Now, I'm not talking about like just negative wet blanket people. I'm talking about mature believers who have discernment and insight. And if they're saying, yeah, I don't really think that's a great work, then you probably shouldn't do that. And then finally, uh, why work is done, of course, it's to be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, I want to live a life that's worthy. And so uh, all these good works, uh, God wants us uh, a life that's pleasing to him, looks like You're uh, doing good things. But where you do them and why you do them and what you do is really important. Uh, A guy named Dale Partridge writes a lot. He's a believer. He writes a lot about your calling or your work. We're not just talking about volunteer work here. We're talking about what we do all the time. Maybe what you do to pay the bills is included in this. Um, So he writes, While you may be tempted to believe that your values are separate from your calling, the two are inextricably connected. Calling tends to flow from your beliefs and intersects with everything you do. Your calling will complement rather than compete with your values and priorities. For example, if you value healthy family relationships and your sense of calling would weaken your relationships with them, you haven't identified it. If your calling requires you to do harm to your reputation, then you need to rethink it. If your calling leads you to take on an irresponsible amount of debt, then you have likely missed the mark. You never need to compromise what you believe to live out what you were meant to do. You never need to compromise a pleasing, being pleasing to God and living a life worthy in order to do good works, to bear fruit in every good work. And so uh, because of who I am in Christ, I will be serving passionately I'll be finding good works. I'll be bearing fruit in every good work. Uh, that's, that's what it looks like when you're pleasing to God. Here's the second thing. I'll be seeking fervently. Uh, we'll be increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. And so we're going to be growing in what I know about God. And this is exciting to me because like we're talking about God here. And so it's not like you can ever figure out everything about God, right? Like, uh, my thoughts, uh, so, so as, the far, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. So are my ways above your ways. Uh, uh, God is infinite. He's eternal. And so uh, we're never going to get to the end of this. So this is pretty exciting. Um, it, it's, uh, it's kind of uh, captured here in an early hymn that uh, the Apostle John wrote to us um, in 1 John 2. The... See, the, the knowledge of God is never just factual knowledge about God. Knowledge in the Bible is always experiential knowledge. It's something that affects the way that I live. It's something that changes me. And so I don't just know facts and they're kind of out there and they don't affect me. Uh, biblical knowledge is knowledge that, that actually I, I uh, take in and it transforms me, and particularly knowledge about God. And this is pictured for us in 1 John 2. I love this, uh, these little verses. Um, it's probably an early church hymn with like two verses. And uh, they, it just kind of repeats itself. The themes repeat itself with a few variations uh, that, that give us some insight into some things. And so uh, here's what John writes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. In this little hymn, there are twin themes of progression and relationship, right? So there's progression. You're born, you're born again through the forgiveness of your sins. And so uh, yeah, the, the, the picture of a little baby. But then it's uh, young adults who are, are growing and nurturing God's word and overcoming the evil one. And then there's the, uh, the, the parental uh, picture of uh, people who are, are parents, fathers, they're called. And they're walking with the eternal one. And so there's progression there. And, uh, but there's, there's, a, there's a, also there's a relationship. And so it's, it's, you're born, you're born into the family through the forgiveness of sins. But then uh, you, you uh, actively participate in the family by, by nurturing God's word and, and applying it and overcoming the evil one. And then it's interesting to me that the, the, in both stanzas, uh, what's described as fathers is, it's just exactly the same. There's no change there. It says, fathers, you know him who is from the beginning. And that word know there is about relationship. And what, what's exciting about that is, while I can grow in my Christian life, I don't belong more just because I'm more mature, right? Like, you don't belong to the family more because you're growing up. Like, adolescents don't belong more than little kids, although some older children do feel that way about younger children. I belong more. I was here first. But it's not true. You don't belong more just because you're older. What's exciting to me is when we picture that uh, walking with the eternal one, that's an open-ended arrangement. That's open-ended. We're, we, we've never gone to the end. Listen, that's going to be true in heaven. We're going to get to heaven and we're going we're to be with God. And do you think that I'm in heaven now with God? I understand everything about him. No, no. He's still God and you're still a created being. And so uh, you're not going to get to the end of understanding. God's going to continue to reveal himself to you more and more. Heaven's not going to be static. It's not going to be like, man, alive. I've been around this block on these streets of gold like for eight times, eight times around the block. This is really boring now. No, I don't think so. We're going to be there, and we, we're going to be casting our crowns down at, uh, at the, the, the foot of the throne of God. Why? Because he's going to reveal something new about himself. We we'll go, wow, like I never knew that. That's incredible. Because he's eternal. He's the eternal one. He's infinite. And we're not, and it's going to be so exciting. We don't become infinite when we get to heaven. We're still going to be uh, uh, worshiping the God of the universe the God who's beyond the universe. That's going to be so exciting. And so, because of who I am in Christ, I'm going to start that now. I'll be seeking Him fervently. And so, uh, growing in the knowledge of, of God. Here's the third thing um, when I know God's will, I will be able to walk in a manner worthy of God, pleasing Him by suffering ably. Uh, we will be strengthened, being strengthened for all endurance and patience. Now let's admit of it. Admit it. None of us want this aspect of God's will, right? We're talking about uh, knowing God's will and living a life worthy of Him and pleasing to Him. And it says, uh, "Being strengthened, being strengthened for all endurance." Um, that just means there's something to endure, and uh, we don't we don't like this part of uh, of life. But the truth is, we're going to experience. Things in life that involve suffering. Job five seven says, "As sparks fly upward, so man is born to trouble." It's coming. Uh, we live in a fallen world with fallen people, and uh, there's going to be some tough things. It's going to happen, and uh, I know we don't like to. We like the. We like the kind of version of Christianity that says. Uh, Everything is going to go really great. Once you know God, he's going to pile stuff on you, and it's just going to be wonderful. And then the reality hits, and you go, gee, um, I'm not immune to sickness. Uh, Wow, Uh, God God doesn't stop every evil person from doing every evil thing, and uh, this time I'm the victim. Um, Oh, and and that's because God didn't stop you the last time you were really nasty and decided to do something bad, miserable, miserable hateful. I thought He would fix me. I would be perfect. And I'm not. And you're not either. And we have to deal with that reality. A lot of the counseling we do is just dealing with that reality. This is what God says He is, and this is what I got. How do I put those two things together? We live in this world, and uh, we're going to have to endure some things. We're creatures of time. Lots of things take time. Isn't this true? We spend our lives waiting for things to come, and then we spend our time waiting for things to pass. (laughs) I was working with a guy, and I said, man, I can't wait for the weekend. And he goes, Roger, you're wishing your life away, boy. Stop that. Just enjoy the moment. But we do that, don't we? We're creatures of time, and tough things come, and we have to get through them. Note why we receive strength. It's for endurance and patience. Endurance is courage. The ability to see things through. Patience is being even tempered, not retaliating. So God wants us to keep going and keep bearing with hard things and hard people. He wants us to have a resolve that we're going to keep going, even though it's tough. Uh, how far? How long do I have to put up with this? Well... Hebrews 12.4 says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Uh, You haven't died trying. So until you die trying, I guess you better keep going. We live in a world where a lot of people are giving up, you know. They're just giving up. I can't take this anymore. Just like, find me a pole to drive my car into. Right? We're just giving up. And God says, hey, that's not how a life pleasing to me lives. We keep going. You say, well, I can't. Um, Well, that's why we receive strength. Uh, Look at this. Note how much power, how much strength is available to us. How How do we make it through? How do we keep going? It's not in our own strength. Not in our own strength. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Strengthen is the same word in Philippians 4:13, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." This power, it's according to His glorious might. It literally is the might of His glory. It's the might of His glory. It's the power that comes from who God is. That's how much power is available to me uh, to not give up to keep going, to endure. It's not my strength, it's his strength. It reflects the manifested nature of God. It's God showing up in my life. It's God showing up. But it's more than just supplying our need. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It isn't just according to my need. It's according to his riches in glory. And so you go, I don't know how I'm going to keep going through this, you go, well, uh, God's got more than enough for what you need. More than enough. But it isn't just that. It's not just because he's got a lot to give. This, has, uh, this is, our very life is wrapped up in this. Uh, think about Romans 6, 4. This is really important. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, how? By the Glory of the Father. The manifest glory of God is what raised Christ from the dead. The very being of who God is. And Christ said, I have this power. I lay my life down and I can take it back up again. How? Because he's the very manifest glory of God. He is God. And it's the glory of the Father that raised him And this is what we also, it says this, um, we're buried with him, united with him in his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We walk in newness of life through the power of God, through the glory of God, through the mighty power of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And so it isn't just like because he's got a lot to give It's the very fact of who we are. We can endure and we can keep going because we have life from him. And that's the power that keeps us going. We're living eternal life out right now. It's not something, eternal life isn't something that you get when you die. You have eternal life now and you just keep living eternal life and one day you step out of this fleshly body into eternity with God. And you just continue living eternal life in a different way and that's god's promise to us we're uh but here we are now we're living eternity now we're this is the great mystery of the now but not yet i have it it's real and yet it's not complete it it's it's true and yet i don't quite have it all yet and so um here's how that works out um There's there's a lot of things that are true. We don't entirely know how it all works, but we know these things. Uh, Tell me if if this is true. Um, Living in the now, but not yet. We're living eternal life right now, but we don't have it fully. Um, What's happening right now is connected to what will be. Here's some things that are true about that. My body is related, my new body in heaven is related to this one here, but it's new in every way. Isn't that true? Like there, somehow, somehow, the body that I'm going to have there is related to this one. We lay it down, we lay it down uh, with the hope that it will be raised again. Now, it's going to be different. I don't know what it's going to be like. It's, it's going to be way better. It's not subject to decay. It's not subject to sin, uh, but it's related to this one. Uh, here's another thing. Our service here produces results that we will experience individually there. What I do here matters. Somehow, my service for God is related to rewards and what I'm going to be doing in heaven. God's got work for us in heaven, by the way. It's not going to like we're not sitting around on clouds and playing harps and weird things like that. I don't know what, you, what, what idea of heaven you have, but um, my idea is we're going to be living in relationship to God and to each other and accomplishing uh, fantastic things, things that God ordained before uh, before the fall came, he's, he's going to work out his plan for humanity in, in a way that, that was meant to be. And, and it's not going to be like like boring or dumb. It's going to be incredible. And so we're, we're going to be working there. And somehow what I do here is related to what I get there. And we need to be aware of that. Uh, here's, here's one more thing on a different comparison. Our sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will follow. Our biggest challenge in the waiting and the longing and the suffering is that we have our eyes on the wrong thing, right? Because I got to go through this hard thing. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes there are hard things. There are things like, boy, this is what I'm going to get. Like this isn't going to change. This diagnosis isn't going away. This relationship is broken and it ain't going to get fixed. And this has happened and I've lost that person and they're not coming back. And there's some hard things that are just going to keep going. And I look at it and I go, man, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going with this, carrying this burden, dragging this thing behind me. I've got to keep going with that. And it's because i got my eyes out like, I can't do that. I know, I know. Your eyes are on the wrong thing. we got to get our eyes on the strength that is in Jesus Christ. The power that comes from God. And so because of who I am, I will suffer ably. I love that thing with steps, that picture. It says, when we are weak, He is strong. We've got to get our eyes on the strength that comes from Jesus Christ. Well, when I know God's will, I'll be able to walk in a manner worthy of God, pleasing Him, lastly, by this, by savoring deeply. It says, with joy, giving thanks to the Father. We need to be thankful people. Joyful, thankful people. That's I love that little saying. says, uh, You know, if you're thankful, tell your face. Right? If you're happy, tell your face. Um, you know, we ought to be thankful to God. And, and Paul just lists four things here. We went through them quickly. And um, we, we should savor these things. Now, you know what savoring is? Savoring is, is when we appreciate the flavor of something. It's, it's nuances. It's ingredients. You know, we take that. That, that food, and if we say, there's just a hint of mint in here. It's just so wonderful. Like, I want to tell you, I don't know anything about that stuff, right? If it's black and it's hot, it's coffee and it's probably good. I'm not a connoisseur. Like, I don't understand that. Uh, when it comes to food, as long as it's not rancid or rotten or, like, really disgusting, um, it's good fuel. I, I mean, it's good food. And, I, like, I don't understand, all well, that savoring thing. My taste buds are probably, like, burned by bad coffee. I don't know. But, uh, but I, I understand this. Not so much held as caressed. <laughs> like I understand that one, especially on a day like today. Oh, this feels so wonderful just to hold this hot cup of whatever you're drinking. It's great. But we know when we understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we should savor that. We should savor that. So here's some things to savor that, uh, that God gives to us. Really, there are four pictures of our salvation, really. There are four different ways of describing what God has done for us. Here's the first one. He has qualified us to, uh, to join the inheritance, to be, uh, uh, we, he has qualified us for the inheritance of the saints in light. He's qualified us. That means Jesus, I got this written right in my Bible. Jesus wrote the test and I got the A+. He qualified me. In spite of the fact that I have nothing to commend myself to him, I have absolutely no right to put a claim. uh, I'm written into the will. Even though I had no no connection, there was nothing that, that gave me any right at all, he has qualified me. It's because of what he did. He qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This is a point in time action where God, in spite of the fact that we have nothing to commend us and no ability to stake a claim, attributes to us whatever is necessary for us to have a legitimate claim to the inheritance. In other places, this is called adoption. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to all who did receive him, to those he gave the power to be called the children of God. They have the right to be part of the family. They belong by birth. They belong through the forgiveness of sins. So let me ask you this. When did this happen for you? Do you believe that Jesus died in your place? Do you believe that because he is God, he could satisfy the the holy wrath of God on sin? Do you believe that he died for you in your place and that he offers you life and forgiveness? Do you believe that? Have Have you actually received it? Last week, there was a the girl said, I I've just never actually done that. I said, well, why don't you? Said, I don't know how to do that. It said, it's like a gift. It's like at Christmas. I said, if I stood here and I held a gift, I said, here's a gift for you. And you went, wow, that's really nice. This is awkward. Um, I have this gift for you. you know, I, I, re- I really appreciate that. Thank you. That's a wonderful expression. Take the thing. Just take it. So I said to her, have you received the gift? just pray and ask him to give you life, to forgive your sins. And so she did. And last last night, another man did. And, and you can too. Have you come to the place where you've done that? Where you've just asked him for the right to be his child, to be an heir of the inheritance of the saints in light? When you are, then you belong to the light and you can walk in the light and you can look forward to all that God has for his people now and in the future because you, you have the inheritance. You, you belong. You're in. You're part of the family. Welcome. We're going to share. And, uh, and even though I have it, I'm willing to share it with you. Isn't that great? It's not mine. He's willing to share it with you. Here's the second thing. He delivered us from the domain of darkness. This truth underscores where we're really coming from, and it isn't Windsor, and it isn't Angus, and it isn't Kansas, baby. It's the domain of darkness. We were all, Paul says in Ephesians, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's where we're all coming from, is the domain of darkness. You belonged to the domain of darkness. And uh, I know people say, well, I have always believed in Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home, and I've always just kind of believed. No, you were in the domain of darkness, and it isn't until you're delivered from the domain of darkness by Jesus Christ that you're no longer under that. Now, some of us are, uh, some are very familiar, intimately acquainted with the domain of darkness. Others of us are very naive about the domain of darkness. But we all belong to it. We were all under the power of uh, Ephesians 2, once as in you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says, For while we were still weak, weak, unable to save yourself, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You were ungodly. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were in the domain of darkness. But we've been delivered from the domain of darkness. Now let me encourage you here. When you have been delivered from the domain of darkness, it no longer has any power over you. If you give, the, give Satan a foothold, then he has a, a way in. But you are not under his power anymore when you've been delivered uh, by Jesus Christ from the domain of darkness. You don't have to be afraid. Shortly, Paul says, God is going to crush Satan under your feet. You don't have to be afraid of the darkness anymore. Talk to a missionary. The darkness is real. He was uh, uh, in another country, and, and the, uh, the witch doctor could kill a chicken with a glance. Whoa, that make me afraid. He wasn't afraid because the witch doctor couldn't touch him because we've been delivered from the domain of darkness. So uh, here's another thing. He's, he didn't just deliver us and said, okay, like, find your way. We've been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. We have a new citizenship. We belong to the kingdom of Jesus now. We have an entirely new citizenship We we belong somewhere. We uh, have a king. His name is Jesus, and uh, we belong to him. By qualifying us, he made us sons. By delivering us, he made us safe. And by transferring us, he made us secure. That all happens because he redeemed us. He redeemed us, forgiving our sins. This is really the means by which he accomplished uh, the first three, it refers to a release brought about by the payment of a price. We celebrated, we just celebrated the price that was paid, right? We took the bread, his broken body, we drank the cup, his his shed blood in our place. We just celebrated that because that's how he redeemed us. He brought bought us out from under sin. Now listen, it's very important to know what we were redeemed from. We were redeemed. We weren't redeemed from Satan and we, we were redeemed from the wrath of God, from the holiness of God. Because uh, He is holy and we are not, he, he has to exact justice and punishment on sin because He's holy and He's perfect and He's righteous. But God Himself steps into our place because only the Holy One could satisfy the holiness of God and so He steps into our place and becomes a man And because he's fully God and fully man, he can take our place. He can pay the price because he is a man and he can pay the price because he is God. And so he he shed his blood in our place and so he bought us out so that we can have forgiveness. That's an amazing concept. Forgiven. Clean. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He, he takes away the stain. He washes us as white as snow. you think about that? Are you thankful for that? Yeah. You're forgiven. And it isn't just like, well, I had all this load of sin. I was, I was in darkness, and, and, and God uh, redeemed me and forgave me and made me clean, and now I, I'm, I'm on my own. No, no, it's a continual cleaning. It's like we're washed. It's that picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and He comes to Peter and He says, "You're not washing my feet, because He's Peter, right?" And uh, Jesus, said, if I don't wash your feet, we have no relationship. And Peter says, "Well, then wash all of me." And Jesus says, "Peter, you're already washed. You're clean, but you need your feet washed." And that's a beautiful picture of our Christian life. We're washed, but we're, yeah, we still do them some things, and we need to confess that, and we need to make that right, so that our relationship with God is not hindered. And so we just need our feet washed and ongoing, continual cleansing from sin. So those nasty words that you said, forgiven, you're clean. Way back when, that thing that you did, that you still carry with you, uh, forgiven, you're clean. Pastor Todd told us, you don't need to forgive yourself, you need to accept the forgiveness that God gives. You know that that adultery, that lust in your heart, those things that you uh, looked at, the the things that you did, the things that you said, um, hey, forgiven. You can be clean. You need to make those things right, but clean, you're clean. Clean in the Lord. Well, as we c- conclude, our worship team's going to come, and I I just want as we're looking a- ahead now to 2018. Um, I just want to summarize what we've been talking about today by giving you four words. Just four words that I hope that we pray will characterize your life in 2018. So the first word is passion. Passion. Do good things. Like be passionate about doing some good things. Make a difference in the world. I pray that in 2018 you'll have a passion to do some good things. The second thing is transcendence. I pray that God will be actually involved in your life. Now, somehow, somehow we read, somehow you have to engage with God's word for this to happen. Somehow God's word has to be alive and active. uh, This is as close to a New Year's resolution as we're going to get in this message. I don't know how you're going to do it, but somehow you have to be engaged with God's word for for God to be uh, active and real. But the purpose of it is relationship. It's for you to know Him. It's for you to be engaged with God personally in relationship. And so I pray that in your 2018, transcendence will characterize our lives. And then the third word is hope. Hope is, for the Christian, it's a sure thing. It's God has promised us some things. And so I pray that, that hope will help you to endure. And I know that we've got some hard things. You're carrying some pain in your heart and some pain in your thoughts, and probably it spills out through your eyes sometimes. And we all cry. I, I've got some tears, and you've got some tears listen, I hope that this crystallizes hope for you in 2018. One day, God will wipe away every tear. I know we've got some, but one day, keep your eyes on this. One day, God's going to wipe away every tear. And so I hope that in 2018, hope characterizes your life. And then finally this, worship. When we, we keep our eyes on what Jesus Christ has done for us and all that he has, all the benefits that come from knowing him and having your sins forgiven, being redeemed, bought out from under the domain of darkness and translated into the kingdom of sin. When your heart is filled with thankfulness, it'll cause you to worship. And so we're going to do that right now. Let's stand up. And we have this song. Uh, We haven't sung it in a while. It might be brand new to some of you, but it so kind of captures uh, the longing of our heart. And so we're going to sing it. We're going to worship. Lord Jesus, I pray that uh, our worship will not be in accordance with our ability to give What you're due, but Father, I pray that our worship will be in accordance with the worth of your name. Amen.